This is the 401 Podcast. Join Rhode Island sports journalist and basketball scribe Kevin McNamara with guests from the Ocean State sports scene and beyond. Now, here's your host, Kevin McNamara. Hello and welcome to the 401 Podcast on Kevin Mac Sports. I'm your host, Kevin McNamara. Thank you for joining me. Well, I'm not sure if the run-up to this year's NFL draft has ever been more intense or just long. From the moment Tom Brady stopped drinking after the Super Bowl boat parade in Tampa, the football world is focused on what may become the most quarterback-dominant draft in league history. We all know that Clemson's Trevor Lawrence is going to Jacksonville with the first overall selection, but things get crazy after that. With the exception that we know that four or maybe even five quarterbacks are likely to go in the top ten. If it's five, that'd be the most ever. There have already been two major trades among the top ten picks, so it will be interesting to see just how much changes over the final week before the teams finally start picking players. Anyways, I'm happy to welcome ESPN's Field Yates to the 401 podcast this week. Field is one of ESPN's top football analysts, and that's no surprise. I first met him when he began covering the Patriots for ESPN Boston, but that was after he had already worked for both the Pats and the Kansas City Chiefs coaching staffs and scouting departments. Field is not only a good football guy and a pleasure to speak with, but he does have one of the best names in sports media. Well, Field, first of all, thanks very much for joining me. I appreciate you having me on, Kevin. It's good to catch up. We haven't seen each other in person for some time, but that's the way of the world in 2020 and 2021, but uh, good to have the opportunity to talk shop. Well, I'm curious how how different preparation for this NFL draft is versus previous ones. Uh, you know, obviously last year's was similar as well, but uh, from the ESPN point of view, do you guys just have one video call after the next? Um, I'm, I'm curious how you coordinate everything because it's, boy, it's certainly been nonstop NFL draft talk on all the platforms at ESPN. Yeah, it probably in some ways has caused us to reshape our preparation and not so much our coverage, but our preparation for sure. And I think that one of the things that uh, obviously we're all missing out this year on for the first time is the NFL draft combine. We know that last year that was basically the final event that took place before we entered into the pandemic. And this year not having it not only gave us a lot less information to work off of in terms of seeing these prospects who would work out and the variety of drills, but also the congregation of the masses. The Combine is really the only event where you can count on nearly every coach, nearly every scout, all of the best draft-eligible players, and hundreds, if not approaching a 1,000 media members all in one city at the same time. So the conversations you have there are not exclusively about the draft, but they can be the conversations that help lay the foundation for relationships with people that can help inform you and make you more prepared for the draft. As we know, it's a very much, you know, there, there is a, an art more than a science to the NFL draft, but the more information you have, even if you're not the ones making the picks like we are, the better prepared you are for uh, when the actual draft takes place, which at the time that you and I are having this conversation is just eight days away. Mm. No, and when they pick, you know, Johnny Jones from Coppin State, you need to come up with a spin on it. And uh, there's so many options, not only in day, obviously day one, I think we know who all the players are, but uh, I tip my cap to you guys because it's, you know, the sixth round. And 
and, and a field Yates or someone else speaks up and says, well, I know that guy, and boom, 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 you have that background that really you can't find anywhere else. Sure, yeah, it's, and, and it's going to be, you know, I think we, we all are reminded that in the grand scheme, altering our draft coverage and plans and preparation is a minor concession relative to what is taking place still in, in our world. Um, but as people who work in sports media, as you, I don't have to explain this to you, it's, we're, we're all very much creatures of habit. So mm-hmm. we've had to reshape and recreate some uh, new habits this year. And I think along those lines, you mentioned video calls. And I've been, you know, we've all spent more time on Zoom in the past year than we have the rest of our lives combined. And I've also found myself on the phone a lot more because while NFL scouts and, and coaches uh, have not had the opportunity to see all these players up close and personnel. They have had at least some exposure to them. Obviously, we did have a college football season this year, and there was a little bit of exposure for scouts in person there. And then during this pre-draft process, teams have been allowed to Zoom with players a little bit, and there were pro days, and there was the Senior Bowl, and some in-person events that allowed you to feel a little bit better about where you are at with your evaluation of these respective players. Well, that begs the question, what are – you know, coaches or scouts or front office people telling you uh, about the process and what they're most, maybe what they're most nervous about because they don't have the, you know, in-person workouts, you know, guys on in and out of Foxborough, for example, or, or even face-to-face when someone's in Bill Belichick's office, you know, getting, getting to know him. Yeah, there are two big things. And the first one is the medical side of it, because although there was a combine recheck this past weekend, which was the weekend of hmm. April 17th, 18th, 19th, I believe it was, uh, maybe 16th, 17th, 18th, excuse me, there were players that went back to Indianapolis and did a variety or did a battery of tests on injuries and ailments that they may be dealing with at the moment or were dealing with at certain points of their NFL career. That's the biggest unknown right now because normally when these players go to the combine, they're being put through the most exhaustive, physical examination that not only you could find but also shared amongst all teams and is presented and and and, and, and executed by uh, multiple team physicians so there's just more information available and if there are huge causes for concern coming out of the combine teams have the ability to bring a player in for a pre-draft visit and run through the, that same gamut of tests or others with their own personnel their own medical personnel so the uh, by far, I would say the biggest element that teams feel uh, in the dark on right now relative to previous years is the medical side of the evaluation. And the second component that I should mention is you, know, you talked about how there's something to be said for Bill Belichick sitting down with a prospect in his office mm. and getting a feel for what that player is like and how much it means to him, how much it doesn't mean to him, um, You know whether this guy is someone who is a self-starter. You know, The Patriots just saw Julian Edelman retire and Edelman is a player that you don't have to worry about motivation. He's going to find it one way or the other. There are other players around the NFL that you realize aren't as much aren't as much of self-starters, and you may have to, in your evaluation process, think about, right, we're comfortable bringing this player in, but we also have to have a plan for that player, which I think is something that is a lot harder to ga- gather and and figure out when you're only speaking to that player over the phone or on Zoom. Let's take a break from our conversation with ESPN's Field Yates and hear about our friends at Manscaped. Flowers are blooming, the grass is growing, and it's time to chop the weeds. 
Thanks to our sponsor, Manscaped, you can trim your holes safely and efficiently. Manscaped, the global leaders in men's below-the-waist grooming, have an exclusive offer for our audience. Use code KMAC, that's K-M-C, to get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. Join the other 2 million men that trust Manscaped. They're here to make sure you are trimmed and smelling nice. After all, it is time for some spring cleaning. Manscaped has the best tools to get you nice and smooth just in time for swimsuit season. When getting ready for the beach, we've all had our fair share of embarrassing stories. Whether it's hair growing in places that it has no business growing, or trimmers getting caught in the most painful of places, Manscaped is here for you. The premium Manscaped Weed Whacker uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. Manscaped is making whacking your weeds a time to look forward to, delivering maximum confidence while providing hygiene. Complete your grooming game this spring with the new Refined Cologne, signature scent by Manscaped. This stuff is legit and will have you smelling like royalty. The cologne is light, approachable, and gentlemanly in all the right ways. You'll be the talk of the next quarantine hangout. So smell good and feel good this spring by doing yourself a favor and always using the right tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code KMAC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code KMC at manscaped.com. It's spring cleaning, baby, and your balls will thank you. I hate to say to just go right to the quarterbacks but in this draft just best go to right to the quarterbacks because uh, there'll be a quarterback pick first and there could be many many in the top 10 uh, I, I'm, I'm curious field if you think that there's a chance that maybe uh, you know the ESPNs and the 401 podcasts and all the media people who follow the NFL draft are getting too involved with the quarterbacks are we overrating the quarterbacks too much will there not be literally five quarterbacks taken in the top 10 in the top 15 that's never happened before i looked in the last 11 years anyways uh there were four quarterbacks taken in the top 10 in the 2018 draft mayfield darnold josh allen josh rosen uh but but this would be unprecedented do you think that these guys all will be gone by you know 10 12 15 i think so and that there's could be potential history made in a few different ways uh, we've never had in the modern era of the draft, which I believe is something like 1965 and on, so a large sample size, might be 1970, we've never had four quarterbacks go with the first four picks. Whoa. Well, as of right now, I think we can lock in three quarterbacks in the first three picks, and the Falcons are a team that, you know, if not are planning on, if not planning on taking a quarterback, the Falcons are at least thinking about taking a quarterback, given the fact that Matt Ryan is 36 years old and uh you know it's hard to count on being in the top five again you don't want that to happen for your franchise in the next two to three years it's your best chance to grab a quarterback and the reality is that yes if you were to stack a board of players this year and just if you use the universal grading system my guess is that the five quarterbacks that will likely go in the top nine picks in my opinion Hmm. would not be five of the nine top prospects. I think they might be five of the top 15 prospects or five of the top 18 prospects, maybe 20 prospects, but I truly believe they're going to be players, perhaps Alabama's Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddell, his wide receiver teammate, or Panay Sewell or Rashawn Slater, the two top offensive tackles from Oregon and Northwestern respectively. They're going to be pushed down the board a little bit and I have not been covering the NFL draft forever, but one thing that I have noticed is so 
atypical in this year's draft class is there is not even a murmur about the defensive players right now. Right, but right. you've got really talented guys that are going to be pushed down simply because the quarterbacks present, if they reach their apex, and I use the word if very specifically because, as we know, it's far from a sure thing, if the quarterbacks reach their apex, they represent the greatest value, and it's really not close. A quarterback on a rookie contract that's really good is the NFL's version of a cheat code right now from a roster construction standpoint. Well, and again, I, I just jotted out the last 11 years with the exception, you know, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, I guess you could say as well. All the good guys are obviously in the top top 10, certainly in the first round. It is what it is. If you want a proven starter, a winning starter, you have to get him in the first round. That's what recent you know, I'm not going back to Tom Brady in 2000, but that's what recent history tells us. I, I guess for, for Patriot fans, w- without a trade into the top 10, uh, none of the top five will be available at 15. Uh, do you see the Patriots more in the, well, we might be aggressive and, and move up a little bit? Or, wow, uh, the value of sitting at 15 and getting one of those defensive players, one of, you know, an, an offensive lineman, a wide receiver – at 15 is really a top 10 talent could fall to 15. Yeah, it's funny. So I want to make something very clear because I think it applies to almost everybody in the media, not everybody in the media, but we're, we're so frequently asked this question, Patriots plan. Yeah. I'm not sure anybody knows those plans, no. right? Of course I we don't. Merely offering, <laughs> yeah, I'm merely offering a, just sort of a suggestion of what I think makes sense. So if I'm the Patriots, I believe that there is a scenario in which one of Justin Fields or Trey Lance slides enough where the price tag to move up is not prohibitive. And while the 49ers are incredibly convinced that their quarterback at pick three, which I believe will be Mac Jones, is worth the price, there's obviously an element of projection there. And Not only is there an element of projection, but there's an element of needing it to hit huge because if you don't hit huge, you've traded two additional first-round picks to acquire this player that leaves you in a more difficult spot next year and the year after in terms of acquiring talent. So the Patriots, if they were to move from, let's say, 15 to 9 or 10 or 11, I think that – and that, by the way, I I have a hard time envisioning – um, that a, a, a quarterback of those top five slides past nine, okay. maybe 10 or 11. Um, but the point is that the price tag, I think, will be a lot less significant, especially because you're not moving up as far into not nearly as premium of a slot at pick three versus nine. And then moreover, I do think that the price goes down during the draft because if you have a team that's motivated to move down during the draft, they're on a clock. And you're on the clock and you don't have as much time to think things through and barter back and forth. If the Dolphins, who at the time owned pick three, didn't like what the 49ers had to offer them back in March, they could just sit there and say, we're good. Come back to us when you're ready to talk more seriously. So I think the Patriots might be in a position to move up at a a more discounted price and still land one of those top five quarterbacks. And this is just one man's opinion, but I just look at Justin Fields, and I see special, and I see special particularly here in New England. Well, I actually was going to ask about him specifically because throughout the college football season, it was 
you know, pretty clear the top two quarterbacks uh, buzz anyways. Certainly Trevor Lawrence from Clemson and Justin Fields from Ohio State, you know, the two best teams for, for a long uh, stretch outside of Alabama. Um, and then the season ends and all of a sudden, hey, have you seen Zach Wilson? You know, show his clips. C- certainly checks all the boxes. No one knew about Trey Lance except for, you know, insiders like y- yourself. Everyone saw Mac Jones and said, well, he's just okay. And now the world has him in the top five. You have him maybe as high as three. Uh, what happened to Justin Fields? And maybe nothing happened to Justin Fields. Is, is, and, and that's a question I, or an observation. I'm not quite sure. I don't think anything has happened to Justin Fields personally. I think one thing that has um, become apparent to me, and I hope that I don't feed into it, but how people perceive words or commentary is different. One thing I will say, though, is that the the pre-draft process is probably too long. I know that NFL teams that I've spoken with would have been fully prepared and ready to go two weeks ago. Uh, and maybe that will be different if we still had private workouts available and we had the usual combine process and all that because there are more resources. But teams are ready. And the reason why I mention that is that I know the NFL prefers, or I would think the NFL prefers for the draft to be later and later and later because it's more time to talk about it, right? You know, I do get up and sports and, and sports center and NFL live. And sure. They want to talk about this stuff every single day. And, so from, for the business of the NFL, it's good to have it later. But I, I wonder if these quarterbacks are starting to be treated unfairly. Like, I think we might be skewering these players a little bit too much for things that don't really matter in the grand scheme at all. Right. You know, I remember reading the Sports Illustrated piece, which is a great, great piece, a great profile of Trevor Lawrence, and it's really illuminating. It talks about this unique relationship he has with his brother and his family, and it's humble, and, and he's just got – so many of the desirable traits you'd want in, in a friend or, or, or a family member, much less, you know, and, and also, you know, moreover, a quarterback, right? It's like, my goodness, this guy sounds like exactly what you'd be looking for. And there's one line in there from his father about how, you know, that the, the, the paraphrasing is like, you know, if he doesn't win a Super Bowl, it's not going to eat away at him for the rest of his life. Right. And it's like, holy cow, you, you really think that this guy's not intrinsically motivated? I mean, He's had a bullseye on his back since he's 12 years old, and all he's done since then is just continue to meet expectations and beyond. And so I say that as a long-winded way of noting that Justin Fields had a 41-touchdown, three-interception season two years ago, came back this year, had a couple of games that weren't perfect, and it's totally fair to analyze those games and point out areas that might be concerning. But – he also had six touchdown passes and an iconic performance against Clemson in the college football playoff semifinal. He was a prodigious talent alongside Trevor Lawrence, by the way. Both are from the Atlanta area. They both have been in the spotlight since, again, the age of 12, 13, 14 years old. Justin Fields is remarkable. He is an incredible quarterback. He's an incredible athlete. By all accounts, a wonderful young man who I think has all the tools, I truly do believe this, has all the tools to be a Super Bowl-winning quarterback in the right spot. And I say the right spot because I I think that's important for all young quarterbacks. Like, I don't know how many quarterbacks come out of college and you just say no matter where he lands, you expect him to win the Super Bowl. Like, even Trevor Lawrence, who is by many accounts the top quarterback prospect since at least Andrew Luck back in 2012. But I'm a firm believer in Justin Fields 
And if he does slide, I, it's the only explanation I can come up with is that I don't, there's, there must be information I don't have. And as of right now, all the information that I have leads me to believe he's going to be a star player. Now, Field, you may know this because I, I, I trust your research and knowledge, but Justin Fields has a local hook. Did, did you know that he lived in the uh, New Bedford area for a while as a young boy? I did not. Is that right? It's, Justin Fields did? It's right. You know, I, I have a friend from Dartmouth, Mass., and he called me, you know, midway through the college football season. He says, you know, my son knows Justin Fields. I said, how is that? He said, well, I, he went to first grade with him. <laughs> o- o- over I did the, not know that. Yeah, there was, uh, I think his mom is from that area. Now, now obviously, then, then they moved to Atlanta, and he grew up in that Atlanta metro area. But there is, there is a local hook. I don't know how many years he was in Massachusetts, but uh, it's true. Let's take a break from the 401 podcast and hear what's new with our friends At Haxton's Liquors, spring has finally arrived, and with social distancing regulations relaxing around Rhode Island, it's time to head to Haxton's Liquors on Bald Hill Road in Warwick and check out their great party deals. Haxton's has everything you need, all the top wines and spirits, plenty of beer, a huge selection of spiked seltzers, and all the mixers. Haxton's is always ready to serve you, so stop in and see my friends Tim and Bobby Haxton. They do an excellent job with air filtration in their giant store. So mask up and say hello to the Haxtons. We're thrilled that they are proud sponsors of Kevin Mack Sports. Last one, another local prospect, uh, Quiddy Pay. Uh, Right now on ESPN's board, he's the 18th rated prospect. As you know, he's from Rhode Island, played at Bishop Hendrickon. How about this? He'll be the first first first-round pick in the history of the state of Rhode Island since I think it's the early 1940s, Bill Osmansky was drafted by the Chicago Bears. So needless to say, a huge story here in Rhode Island if Quiddy can go in the first round. And by all accounts, he's certainly getting first-round grades across the board. Yeah, and I love the story, too. Obviously well-known to everybody who hails from the great state of Rhode Island, but just a remarkable story of perseverance. A player who has done so much for his family by the age of, you know, really by the time he, he made it to just making it to Michigan was mm. an incredible accomplishment uh, to go on to a very successful college career and to be, as you mentioned, you know, almost a, certainly a first round pick when the NFL draft begins. Uh, he's a story that I think will inspire you no matter what your rooting allegiances are in the NFL. And, you know, the NFL draft does have there's so many great stories of players uh, that will be drafted next week. Um, but Quiddy Pay is not, and, but he's, he's an amazing football player as well, a guy whose story, you could tell just the football story and it'd be amazing. You could tell just the personal story and it would be amazing. And in terms of, you know, he's powerful, he's explosive, he works incredibly hard. He's improved. I mean, as you know, he's still in the grand scheme of things, like, you know, he's young, obviously, and a guy that, you know, has developmental years ahead of him, but uh, checked every box during his time at Michigan. The team hasn't had quite the success that, you know, the pedigree of Michigan often is associated with, but Pay is, I think there's a chance, and, you know, I always feel a little bit sort of risky and sort of and making suggestions of things that could happen. Um, because for all I know, the exact opposite could take place in the NFL draft. It's part of why we love it so much. But if Quiddy Pay is 
a top 12 pick next week. Mm. It wouldn't surprise me. Wow. Yeah, I'm not, I don't have information telling me this is the guy that's doing it or this is the team that's doing it and this is where he's going to end up. But I, I, I think you're going to be hard-pressed to find someone who has a lot of negative things to say about him. Um, he's an incredible young man, uh, a guy who wherever he goes, I don't want to use the word high floor to suggest that the ceiling isn't high as well, but I think there's a low chance, I should say, that Quiddy Pay doesn't end up being a really productive player for your team. I think he's going to end up doing a lot of good for wherever he ends up. Well, in this day and age, pass rush is certainly important, and if he's not top pass rusher on the board, he's in the top couple. So I guess nothing would surprise us. Uh, field, hey, the uh, Patriots could keep the uh, pass rush going, right? And they've, got, they've gone back-to-back years with the Michigan Michigan pipeline. And, that's right. That's right. Chase Winovich and, and obviously this past year, Josh Uche. Uche. Maybe you keep things rolling here for Quiddy Pay, who you know, I would just say that 15th overall, that to me is a – that's a reasonable value for Quiddy Pay, and it would fill the need for the Patriots, despite all of their, um, you know, there's besides despite all of their additions this off season. You know, I don't think you can ever have enough pass rushers, and you know, he's a guy that's got versatility. And I know that's a buzzword around a lot of NFL organizations, but no coach has been linked to versatility more during his tenure than Bill Belichick. Okay, last one. Uh, the the best, if you had to rank, uh, and you can't. Uh, how about we'll take Trevor Lawrence off the board. Uh, the best football player available in the draft? Best football player available in the draft. I'm going to go with Jamar Chase, the okay. uh, LSU wide receiver. Um, I, I would say it's uh, splitting hairs between him and Kyle Pitts. And there might be a really, there might be even a better case for Kyle Pitts. Um, so it's sort of a 1A, 1B between those two. Uh, Chase dominated from the start of his college career. And I understand that he played alongside. Um, those other tremendous LSU wide receivers, Justin Jefferson, the NFL Rookie of the Year, are right there in the mix this past season. And then Terrace Marshall Jr., who will also end up being a top 40 pick this year. But if you go back and rewatch LSU's 2019 season, when that was you know, young, young Jamar Chase, mm. uh, he, he's so different. He's just a special, special individual and player and, and, and talent. So, Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts, to me, feel like the two best football players in this draft, not named Trevor Lawrence. Got it. Well, Field, enjoy the draft. Uh, we'll be watching you and everybody else on, on ESPN's coverage. And uh, it's amazing what the draft has become from, well, when I was a little guy, and certainly even when you were a small guy, I'm sure. Uh, now it's multiple – and it's at nighttime. It used to be on the weekend or in the day. It was a piece of cake. Now we have to stay up really late to find out who our favorite team picks. But uh, – I know it's one of ESPN's prime properties, and best of luck with it. I appreciate that very much, and thanks for having me on. Always good to catch up, and I uh, can't wait to see where Quiddy Pay lands, and uh, I can't wait to take that Justin Fields draft nugget with me and put it in my pocket and think about it if he ends up being drafted by the Patriots. I love his his boyhood friends over there, and uh, I, I'll, I'm going to triple-check exactly what school he went to because it sounds like I have a an unearthed nugget. I love it. Hey, I, I'm going to go do some uh, – there's some internet research to be done here to learn more about his time in New Bedford. That's amazing. Great. Very good. Thanks very much, Field. Thank you. That's it for this week's 401 podcast. Thanks, as always, to producer Kevin Collins, to ESPN's Field Yates for the NFL Draft Talk, and thanks, as always, to our sponsors at Manscaped and Haxton's Liquors. We are now on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and Buzzsprout. Subscribe on whatever platform you enjoy most. Shoot us a like and look for the next edition of the 401 Podcast with Kevin McNamara. 
Thanks for listening to the 401 Podcast with Kevin McNamara. Get the 411 on the sports scene in the 401 by subscribing to the 401 Podcast from KevinMacSports.com.